Welcome to Gardening Talk back on to when you are FM. Scott Sharp with us as per usual. How are you doing this afternoon, Scott? Yeah, pretty well, pretty well. It's a beautiful day out there. Spring has sprung upon us. One more sleep. Oh, I thought it's, it was today. No, spring's the 1st of September, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Okay, I'm a fool. <laughs> I thought it was the start of the week. I just thought all months right, started on get Mondays. Out. Yeah. Get out. <laughs> no Scott, good. What have you got for us today, Scott? Well, I thought we'd talk about some spring plants, the uh, the snapdragon uh, rejuvenating your indoor plants, and people have got lots of scale insects uh, coming about at the moment, so we'll have a chat about that. No, that's no good. No, not good at all, especially when spring's tomorrow. Exactly, tomorrow, not today, it's Good. tomorrow. If, of course, you've got a question for Scott Sharp, you can give us a call on 49216216. And we've got Mick from Cessnock, and he's got a question about passion fruit. Afternoon, Mick, how can we help you? Yeah, Scotty, um, over the last probably three or four years, I've grown about, oh, probably about ten, um, just black passion fruit, and what happens is that they, they, when I put them in the ground, they thrive for about six months, 12 months or so, then they just sort of die, you know, like um, from the extremities in. Oh, that doesn't sound too good. Uh, I, I was hoping you might have said longer than six months. Passion fruit do oh, have well, a... Well, well, um, yeah, maybe it is a bit longer than six months. <laughs> Passion fruit do have a certain lifespan, but it's a bit longer than six months. So, oh, yeah, uh, I yeah. know, yeah. Uh, mate, how much... Are you are you fertilising your, your passion fruit in any way? I do, yeah. yeah. What are you giving it? Uh, Rooster Booster. Rooster Booster. So, now, I wonder with Rooster Booster what the pH of that is. It's obviously uh, based on some sort of poultry manure, so it might be slightly is, yeah. Yeah, it might be slightly alkaline. I'm wondering for you if you should steer clear of the old Rooster Booster uh, this year and just use some plain old cow manure around there. Uh, mate, the, other, the other thing you could do is get uh, a couple of soil samples, take it into your uh, local garden centre, and they'll probably give it a, a test for you, and you can just see if it's alkaline or acidic, that soil, and then you might have to adjust accordingly. So to make it more acidic, you'd use some sulphur. Uh, I don't think you're going to have to make it alkaline if you've been using Rooster Booster, um, but otherwise you would use lime to make it more alkaline. And uh, that might start to cure the problem for you as well. Um, otherwise, just make sure in those really, really hot months that everything's being well watered. I'll give them plenty of water, yeah. They just thrive. They're beautiful. And then they just start to die. Yeah, and are you getting fruit off it or are you just getting green leafy growth? Uh, no, not much fruit, no. I yeah. sort of, no, no. Yeah, so I'm thinking you might, you know, might be slightly alkaline your soil, uh, might be too high in nitrogen as well, that uh, rooster booster. So you need to, uh, you know, get up that uh, the sulphate of potash uh, to boost the, the fruiting and flowering of the plant and uh, some cow manure. But, mate, before you do that, I'd, I'd grab a couple of soil samples, take them into your garden centre, uh, see if I give them and a test, it. yeah, and see, see what is the go with your soil around that passion fruit plant. Okay, well, so I've put in various places, uh, like, through the yard, like, yep. not all in the same place, but yeah, no matter where I put them, it, they just die. And, mate, they're in the full sun? Oh, well, some, yeah, oh, well, sometimes, yeah, well, it depends where I put them in the yard, like... Um, yeah, probably um, pretty much, yeah, full sun. Yeah, look, they need to be in the full sun to, to fruit and flower properly. Uh, that, uh, that said, you know, they are a climber, so they'll, they'll head up as high as they can to get into the sun. Uh, my uh, my neighbour, um, Rob the train driver, he's uh, passion fruit, goes up high into my lily-pilly hedge and, uh, <laughs> and takes over and... Uh, we also see all sorts of wonderful character wildlife at night in there eating the passion fruit when they're up too high. 
Some of them got little oh, okay. ro- rodent teeth and we see them up climbing around up there. We can't do anything about them, nor can the cat. <laughs> okay, well, thank okay. you for that. Good luck with the Mick. No worries, thank you. Okay, cheers, bye-bye. Thanks, Mick. We've got a Beryl now from Akilabam Bay and she's got a question about clavillias. Clavillias. Hi, how are you? <laughs> Good, thanks, Beryl. How are you going? Fine, thank you. Um, clavillias. Yes. Now, yes. I have one in a pot and it's, uh, the lemon one, it's doing beautifully and I have one down in the garden and it is the dark orange one, the deep one, not the common one. Yes. And with the thicker leaf. Yeah, the miniata. Yeah, it's a really nice one, that, uh, that particular clavier. it's growing like it's tight. It's all tight and the flowers are having trouble coming up and I just Ooh. wonder why. I think I can help you out with that one. Uh, so clivias do get uh, mealybug deep down inside them, as do agapanthus and other sort of lily-type yes, plants yes, like that. Now, yes. you don't necessarily see them, but they're right down into the, you know, that tight fold and crevice yes. of, of the clivia, and you have to get some insecticide down in there. And the only way you can really do that is to drench the plant, uh, you know, really heavily. Uh, so if you've got some insecticide uh, in the shed, uh, yeah. I would mix some of that up in a watering can, you know, a few litres of it, and then just start yeah. drenching it down through uh, into the plant. They, you see, the, the mealybug sucks the sap out of the plant. It can deform even yes. the flowers when they come out as well. Yeah, so I've had them before yeah. in other things, yes, yeah. So they, they can be difficult to get under control, but that drenching method does work. Uh, for instance, if you've got some malathon, uh, that's, a, a, you know, a chemical that you can use to keep that under control. Yeah. I think we've got that. Yes, okay. Yes. Okay, thank you for your time. Fantastic, Beryl. Good luck with it and Thanks. let us know how you go. I will. Thank okay. you. Thank you, Beryl. Bye-bye. Bye. So that's it called again? That's uh, Clivia. Uh, Beryl called it Clivia. I believe it's named after Lady Clive. But there's all sorts of tales, but uh, correction corner, we, we got you there. Straight off the bat. Straight off the bat. It was a nice one. <laughs> If you've got a question for Scott Sharp or any corrections for us, you can give us a call on 49216216. got Nancy from Windermere Park, and she's got a question about rose cuttings. Good afternoon, Nancy. How can we help you? Oh, good afternoon, Scott. Yes. Um, I did some pruning for a neighbour last year in July, August, and I took some cuttings for myself off them, and I've planted them in pots, and I've got about five that have taken quite well. Right, yeah. Um, so in July this year, I sort of gave them a little bit of a haircut and they all seem to be sprouting well now but my question is um will they be all right in the pots till i decide what i want to do with them or where i want to put them um or should i plant them out or put them in bigger pots no they, they, they should be okay in the pots so uh, when you say they're in pots are they all in together or have you got them in separate pots no i've got them in separate pots they're about 30 centimeters wide and about 50 to 60 deep yeah, that that's um, great. So they the, they will last in there right, uh, you know, until March next year if you'd like them to. Uh, okay. You just have to make sure they're well watered. You could give them some slow release fertilizer as well now, yeah. uh, just to boost them along. Uh, in, in fact, when you take rose cuttings, it's it's best to leave them in situ for as long as possible, really, uh, because okay. when you've taken those cuttings after the first six to nine months, the the root system is still very very weak. Uh, coming off so leaving those cuttings in there for as long as possible and anyone else who's doing their rose cuttings as well uh, yeah definitely leave them at least 12 months and Mm -hmm. uh, longer if you can uh, but then just treat them like a a normal rose and fertilize with slow release fertilizer and uh, make sure you're well watered they're well watered so so when i come to um take them 
I'll put them where I want them in the garden or in another pot, a more decorative pot. Uh, is there any time of year that's best for that? Or No, no, you'll be fine transplanting the rose at any time of year. Uh, hopefully by the time you do it, uh, you know, maybe if you go to March next year, the, the root system will be quite uh, robust and filled out the pot and you won't have too much soil falling away and uh, no. all will be well. But rose, okay. roses so, are pretty oh. tough plants, really. There's not much that... Uh, that's why they've been around so long, since, you know, ancient <laughs> times. That's... I'm just anxious to see what they look like because when I did the... Um cutting back for my neighbour who wasn't well, I, I mixed up the cuttings. They were all together and I'm, I'm not sure whether I've got five the same or one of each plant or what I've got. <laughs> uh, well, the, the mysteries of life uh, yeah. are about to be revealed <laughs> to you, Nancy. And she some beautiful roses, so I, I just hope they're, they're not all the same. <laughs> no, that, that's good. So did you get the, the old-fashioned uh, roses? They're very strong. I, I don't think you're going to have any problem. If you've got them struck now, uh, you will you know, just have some lovely roses regardless of the colour. Okay, thanks very much for that. Okay, have a lovely afternoon. Thank you. Thank you, you. too. Bye-bye. Bye. We've got Regina now from Hamilton South, and she's got a question about maiden hair fern. Regina, how can we help you? Um, I've been trying to grow maiden hair fern for years. They live for six months and eight months, and they just die. Is there a secret of how to look after them? Yeah, they can be a funny little thing, can't they? Sometimes you mm-hmm. see them out in almost the full sun and heat, and they're, you know, they're growing in someone's path, and you go, oh, how can that maiden hair fern be doing that? And then you hear other people doing the right things. You know, they've got them in a nice, you know, shady, humid uh, place and, uh, you know, they don't have any success at all. Where where do you keep yours, Regina? I keep it in the pot and I keep it sometimes indoor during winter yeah. and I bring them out at summer and I just can't grow them. They just die. They go, I have one or two leaves left. I'm looking at one right now and it's just two leaves in the middle, but the rest are dead. Uh, and now tell me, what method are you using to water them? Do you uh, spray um, or just uh, water through the pot? I put them through, uh, I put them, I always put them on a um, self-watering pot. Mm-hmm. And I, when I fill the pot dry into the hole, I put some more water in it. Okay, now I think that could, not that it's bad what you're doing, but, uh, you know, ferns really love to absorb moisture through their leaves. And that's why people often put maidenhair ferns into the bathroom where it's really humid and uh, they can, you know, suck the moisture in through their leaves. So I think in addition to keeping uh, yours in those uh, self-watering pots, I'd also give them a little water down through the soil as well. And I would also get a, a little misting gun, you know, like that your hairdresser uses or whatever they are and actually give it a mist you know a couple of times a week as well and that'll create that humidity around it and make it nice and healthy Okay, so um, the other question is, they don't like full sun? No, look, they, they really don't. Like I said, I have seen them, you know, trying to grow out there and they will grow somewhat, but uh, they certainly need to be inside or in a very shady spot in the garden. But I think that the, uh, the humidity, that, that moisture going over the uh, leaves is going to be the key for you. Okay. Is there any special potting mix I should use if I buy another one? Yeah, just just make sure you've got a nice, uh, you know, high quality potting mix. Uh, don't buy one of the cheap ones. Uh, and just talk to your uh, garden centre. You know, the, the people who are there, they'll be able to help you out with the best potting mix uh, for a fern. But generally, a good quality potting mix is going to do the trick for you with a maiden hair fern. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a lovely afternoon. Okay. okay. Thanks. Bye, Jenna. Bye. 
And we've got Andrew from Singleton, and he's got a question about olive trees. Afternoon, Andrew. How can we help you? Uh, mate, I have three olive trees. Two I planted 10 or 12 years ago. Yes. The other one's an old fart, a bit like myself. In that time... We're not going to ask, had... ask how old it is, Andrew, so we'll, we'll just <laughs> well, leave that we... hanging in the air for a little while. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in that time, I've had one crop of olives. Yep. What have I done wrong, Robert? Well, I, I, I don't know. I, I, olives can grow on the side of a rock. Well, know. that's what I would have thought, but... In Greece, but, uh, I, I, what are you doing wrong? Uh, well, t- yeah. t- tell us about the, the soil that you've got there, Andrew. Uh, it's the, well, they're all in basically the same area. It's a clay, it's a terrible soil, yeah. almost Greek, Greek-like in some of the old Greek islands and whatever. But yeah, it's not a great soil where they are. But yeah. they, they've grown well, but there's just nothing. I mean, my olive oil empire has sort of gone down the drain. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think the problem might be to, you know, make olive oil, you need those little, um, and to make yeah, the olives, you need them to, to flower and, and then fruit. Yeah. And I'm wondering if, because you're saying you've got some, you know, pretty heavy clay-like soil, might be slightly, uh, you know, alkaline, there might not be too much potassium in that soil. All right. I'm, I'm wondering if you might uh, start using a bit of cow manure, uh, to, to fertilise them, and then also use some sulphate of potash. You can get that yeah. as a powder or a liquid and start watering that into the ground around the plants. So, right. uh, I, I put uh, chukpu on it, and uh, we've got chukpu, so I'll put some of their stuff on it. Yeah, so uh, now chukpu is fantastic, but it's going to promote, it's high nitrogen, so it's going to promote the green leafy growth of the plant right. uh, rather than yeah. the fruiting and flowering. So that's why I'm saying uh, maybe have a you know steer clear of the old hen and yeah. uh, go with the cow for a little while. And yeah. uh, then get some of that sulphate of potash and uh, get that into the ground. Start building that up in the soil over time. Uh, might not work for you this year, but uh, hopefully no. next year, if you start building it up, you will get a crop of olives. Oh, thank you very much, Matt. If okay. I ever do, I'll send you some. Okay, beautiful. That'd be great. <laughs> I hope you live that long. <laughs> <laughs> we, and and uh, you're right. No, we won't ask your age now, Andrew. <laughs> we'll leave that hanging. <laughs> Thanks, Have mate. Cheers. Day. Bye-bye. Thank you, mate. We'll have to get that order sorted out as well. Yeah, I mean, we could feast here, couldn't we? I mean, we were always asking people for passion fruits, all sorts of different plants. They always promise. We always get promised stuff. Yeah. I've never actually seen anything, though. Yeah, mango season, we're always promised stuff. Never <coughs> makes it in here to the studio. It must get caught somewhere. It so must. It must be in the post, still lost. Well, I wouldn't say that, but maybe it's just, it's been intercepted. Intercepted, yeah. I'm only here once a week. I might get here on Tuesdays and I just miss out. Could be. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, well, maybe it's the people out there. Yeah, the, the people out there. <laughs> They're different. <laughs> We've got Jeffrey now from Warrabrook, and he's got a question about pruning red robin hedge. Jeffrey, how can we help you? Uh, yeah, I've, yeah, I've got these uh, red robins as a privacy hedge. Yes. Um, how often should we prune them? Yeah, red, red robin. How big are they at the moment, your fertinia hedge, Jeffrey? Uh they're about um, over six foot tall. Oh, okay. So they're they're pretty big plants already, and they're starting to come into flower. Yeah, that that's all right. Uh, Robinia, uh, sorry, Fatinia is a very very tough plant. Uh, you can prune it almost you know whenever you want to. The thing with it though is that around this time of year, you're going to start to get that flowering and new growth on it, and people love it because uh, you get this beautiful sort of you know bright red new growth uh, surrounding the green of the older growth. Uh, generally, though, you can prune them all year round. You wouldn't touch them in the middle of winter because they just won't grow back for you. But certainly if you want to prune it now, if they're getting a bit straggly, uh, you can do so. 
the reason I asked if you've got a, uh, you know, how old the hedge was is because if you've got young plants out there, if anyone's got a young fatinia hedge, uh, don't just let them sort of go up to six foot to eight foot and then cut them. You're best to nibble away at them more often than not. And then you get a nice, thick, fuller plant growing up uh, and turning into a hedge for you rather than letting it, you know, sort of become a skyscraper and then cut the top off it. And then it splits from there. And you don't get that really full hedge. But certainly with yours, Jeffrey, you can uh, give it a prune now if you want to. Okay. All right. And, and lily pillies, how often should I trim them? Oh, look, they are a very vigorous grower. Uh, you can do them, you know, three times a year if you want to. Uh, I'm lazy. I only do mine probably once every four years. But uh, that doesn't mean I shouldn't be doing it more often. Uh, so certainly, you know, two, three times a year. Uh, you can keep that bluey pilly hedge. You can cut them back very heavily as well, uh, and they will come back for you nice and thick. All right, great. All right, thank you very much. Thank you, Jeffrey. Appreciate the call. Have a nice afternoon. You too. Bye. Bye. Gardening talk back on two in your RFM four nine two one six two one six. And we've got Bev from Toronto. She's got a question about bananas and pineapples. Oh, it's almost the full pina colada she's got going there. <laughs> Bev, how can we help you? Oh, hi. You've just come on my sound. <laughs> um, yeah, well, I'm going about... I've got about 30 pineapples on the go, and we had about nine last year, and as soon as they die, if I cut the tops and they get replanted. Yes. So that's how I've accumulated so many. Um, but now, I have tried to Google the feeding of them, and it's American, of course, and they said, I'll get this 10, 10, 10. Well, I've got no idea what it is, but I'm more practical. Do they need chook manure, cow manure? What do they need? Yeah, I I don't know what the American ten 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 is, um, but I I would be using some cow manure if you've got them in the ground. Uh, certainly that's going to be, uh, you know, a nice general feed for them. The other thing you could do is, uh, you know, go and get one of those complete plant fertilisers, you know, one of the, the granular ones. Uh, you could do it for the fruiting and flower one, the, the citrus one. Uh, that might be not a bad option for you. And uh, use that around the, the pineapple. I've got one solitary pineapple at my place. It grows in a pot out the front veranda. Um, occasionally I get a little pineapple come on it, but, um, yeah, I've got it facing the wrong way. It's, you know, to the south, the cat sleeps on it every now and again. So I have, <laughs> I have no luck, um, but they are related. I don't, I don't wonder at that. I like Northern aspect. They like to be hot and dry. I know. They? I know I've got it in completely the wrong spot. It doesn't die on me though. It keeps on going. Uh, they are related to bromeliads. So, uh, usually they'll yeah. pup, they will pup for you and then the old one yeah. will die off once it's flowered. So that's, uh, how you've probably uh-huh. been able to keep yours going as well. Um, yeah. But yeah, once you get a clump of them, they, they can actually look quite attractive. Uh, you know, they've got that really nice light uh, sort of yeah. grey-green foliage and, uh, yeah, they're just not a bad-looking plant. Um, well, you might not get the best success with pineapples here. Well, I certainly don't. But, um, you know, if you've got them in the right spot like you do, Bev, then, yeah, you might get, uh, you know, a nice crop every year. Well, we've had beautiful pineapples and so sweet. Um yeah, the last one, it was so small at the end of the season, but I let it go. I kept it in for about a week inside, and, oh, it was so sweet. It was lovely. Oh, very good, uh, and very nice to make pineapple fritters with as well. Yeah, yeah, I like that. <laughs> now, you, um, me- you mentioned bananas as well. How can we help you with those? Yes, well, I've got uh, a, a grove of pineapples and um, bananas. Um, oh. Now, we've, we've cut the 
bottom part, you know, when they shoot up from the plant. Yes. Shoot up from the bottom, so we've cleared the dirt and and put the uh, the blade down and cut it, and then we've replanted that. And uh, we've we've still got some coming on, so we've got about eight new ones that we've planted amongst them. Uh, now, how much water do they like? You never see them in the plantations having any irrigation, but I'm wondering how do you water bananas? Yeah, with bananas, I, I just let nature take its course with them. Uh, you do see them on the plantations. They're always on the side of a hill. Uh, yeah. So the water's definitely running away um, from them. But uh, And my my old uh, duck, Jude, um, she's got... Uh, She's got bananas growing next to her place as well, and I tell you, no one looks after those, and uh, they keep on growing under a fence. Uh, you know, they keep on fruiting. I, I think I'd just let nature take its course with the bananas and uh, see what happens. Yeah, well, we've had them for a few years, but I, I heard that they, they like the ash out of wood fires. Is that the phosphate or something? Yeah, look, that quite possibly is. Haven't heard that one myself, but uh, look, they, again, pineapples. Are, uh, sorry, bananas are just such a, a tough plant. They they really do just look after themselves. Uh, so, you know, if you are going to use some cow manure, maybe toss that around and, and see what happens with them as well. I believe that mm-hmm. bananas are the world's largest herb. Yes, yes, I've heard that. Yes, yeah. they're the world's largest herbaceous plant. So. I mean, it'd be great if we had basil and thyme that getting that big. It'd be nice and easy. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine basil well, that they, big? They, yeah. They'd drown, drown the tomatoes then, wouldn't they? They certainly would. <laughs> okay, well, good, good luck with that, Bev, and thanks for the call. Good, thank you. Okay, bye-bye. Thank you, bye-bye. Nearly rosemary as well. Rosemary, another great herb, but it does get quite large and is easy to look after. Yeah, it's true. Actually, my, I need to do, do need to trim my rose bush. Like, yeah, like Andrew, I reckon the old rosemary will grow on the side of a uh, side of a cliff somewhere. It's very tough. Well, they could grow on rocks. Yeah, they could. <laughs> Gardening talk back on to when you are FM. We've got time for a couple more callers. We've got Esme from Corlett, and she's got a question about the lily pilly. Oh, hello. Um, just like to let you know, or everyone know, that you can make wonderful lily pilly jam. With the, with the lily pilly. You can do that. Now, do you do it yourself, Esme? Yes. yes. Yeah. Now, I, to actually pick them off the plant, though, and have a you know a bit of a chow down on them, they're a bit bitter, though, aren't they? You have to do things to make uh, them sweet. They are, but um, they're a bit of an acquired taste. You've really got to wait till they're really, you know, um, dark pink. Yes. But, um, you know, you, you said about cutting them back several times. Well, you won't get the very thin. <laughs> no, you won't. And you won't get the flowering as well. And look, I was talking about people who want to uh, keep them as a hedge and keep them nice and tidy. Um, you know, do some topiary with them as well. You can make a little elephant or, you know, whatever oh. you want to do with your, with your uh, lily pilly. They're really well suited to that. It's a wonder they're not over there in the Palace of Versailles and turned into hedges. <laughs> but I, I reckon you'd be adding a fair bit of sugar, though, to those uh, lily pillies. Oh, yes, pot- I yes. do. And what I do is I put... Uh, some glassy ginger in it because that that seems to give it more taste. I've I've made it with plums. Yes. I've made it with ginger and I've made it without, and um, it really seems to need the ginger with it. But it's definitely an acquired taste. It's not a taste that you would ever find anywhere else. It's it's quite definite. So, uh, quintessentially Australian. Well, exactly. It's the, crocodile, the crocodile Dundee of jams. <laughs> <laughs> 
actually a bush food, isn't it? It certainly is. It certainly is bush tucker. So, uh, yeah, um, um, Harry Butler, I remember him back in the day. He would have had a talk about it as well. Yeah, well, you know, you can have an edible hedge, yes. which is much, much better than a non-edible hedge. Yeah, very good. <laughs> 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 okay, well, thank you very much for that, Esme. Oh, thank you, and I, I really enjoy your show. Okay, appreciate the call. Thank you. Okay, bye. bye. That was a Bush Tucker man, wasn't it? Yeah, Harry, Harry Butler. Yeah, Harry Butler. That was a show. That was a show. That was a show. Used yeah. to race home after school to watch that. Yep, I remember doing that. I love those sort of TV shows. <laughs> We've got Wayne now from Singleton, and he's trying to remove some weeds. Wayne, where are you trying to remove those weeds from? Oh, they're out the backyard, out the front yard, they're everywhere. Oh dear, that doesn't sound too good. Mate, are they in the lawn? Are they in the garden? What, what's happening? Uh, they're in the lawn. Yep. They're, they're, they're a big weed. They're, like, they've got big leaves on them and mm-hmm. they grow a stem with a yellow flower on top of them. Yeah, so look, it's important you get to those before the yellow flower comes on and then you get, you get that dandelion seed head that bursts and spreads everywhere again. Uh, look, a couple of ways of doing that. You can actually go through, uh, I remember there used to be sort of weeding claws you could get. Uh, and they would just go in and you could actually pull them and twist them and pull the taproot out as well. Uh, there's plenty of broadleaf selective weed killers that you can use if they're in the lawn, and it's important to do that because they'll also take over the lawn, and you know once they die off, you just get these patches because the grass can't grow in underneath them. Uh, so, yeah, head along to your garden centre, and they'll be able to uh, help you out with a, a selective herbicide to kill your dandelions. If you've just generally got them in the garden... Uh, you can use a, a zero product if you want to, a Roundup product, or there's other uh, in, uh, other weeding sprays now that uh, just generally work by burning. Uh, they're sort of petroleum-based, uh, and you can spray those on. If it's a nice hot sunny day, it'll just burn them away. So a few different options there for you, Wayne, to uh, get rid of those dandelions. Yeah, I've, I've put some uh, weed and food on them. It's, uh, it was last week. I think it takes about three weeks before you see anything happen. Yeah, so with weed and feed, it, it, it also just generally burns away as well. And that's another way to do it as well. If you want to, you can get the salt, you know, the old-fashioned sulfate of ammonia and just sprinkle a bit of that and just let it burn itself out. But, uh, yeah, look, weed and feed, it's sort of great. But if you've got a real infestation, uh, you do need to start using something a little bit tougher uh, to uh, to get rid of them. Otherwise, they will go to flower and they'll spread everywhere, you know, even more for you. So, um, yeah, need to get onto it, mate. Yeah, that's what I've been told. I just didn't know whether to uh, go around and pull them out or... Yeah, that's, that's the main. You spray them, they die off. But that root's still there. They, they would come back, wouldn't they? Uh, no, look, if the, if the plant dies from spraying, it, the, the roots uh, you know, shouldn't come back. Uh, but if it is you know, to a, an extent at the moment that you can still go and pull them out, uh, yeah, a bit of elbow grease is always the best way to get rid of something. Okay, buddy. Okay. Okey-dokey, thank you. Thank you, Wayne. Have a nice afternoon. Bye. Bye, mate. Bye. We've got Jenny now from Duns Creek, and she's got a suggestion for a fast-growing hedge. Jenny, how can we help you? Hi, Scott. Um, we've got a, we're putting up a privacy hedge. Um, and I came on at the end of that other call with the petunias and lily pillies, because we have been looking at those ones. What would you recommend that's a fast-growing privacy screen? Yeah, look, either of those are, are very good, Jenny. Um, but what about how much frost do you get up there at Duns Creek? Uh, well, we haven't had any for a couple of years. 
Oh, okay. Well, that's uh, well, that's good news. Uh, now, the reason I ask that is because lily pill is probably going to uh, be a bit more susceptible to burning from frost, whereas Virginia is nice and tough. Uh, it's not going to get hammered by the by the frost at all. Um, but if it, it sounds like you you know you're not really that you know frost stricken, so uh, a lily pilly hedge uh, would be ideal for you. Uh, there's a whole lot of different varieties out there. Uh, to you know, and you get them according to the height you want them to grow to. Uh, there's you know there was one called Goodbye Neighbours. Uh, it gets to about three to four meters tall. Uh, they're all versions of uh, what we call Syzygium astral. Um, you know, astral Australian lily pilly. Uh, so th- they get to about three to four meters. There's some that are more psyllid resistant, and that's the little pimpling they get on their leaves on the new growth. So you have to be careful uh, that you get one that's nice and psyllid resistant. Thank you, Dave. So, so you reckon a lily over a petunia? Yeah, look, I think so. For a thicker privacy screen, uh, a little bit quicker growing as well, uh, I would definitely go with the lily pilly. I got that out there then, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> Too many syllables in the name of that plant. <laughs> so how long, uh, does 12 months, how high do you reckon it would get in 12 months? Oh, look, don't, don't expect it to be, a, you know, a massive screen by then. Uh, like any hedge, you're best to nibble away at it and prune it more often rather than letting it shoot up to the, you know, to the height you think you want it to be. You're best to prune it uh, often when you see some new growth and le- then let it come and spread up nice and evenly. Uh, but look, I, I would say if you put a plant in that's, uh, say, you know, a foot or two foot tall, uh, you would probably have a plant, uh, you know, 1.5, 1.8 metres tall after a full growing season. Oh, great. Yep, and after that, uh, sky's the limit sort of thing for you. It'll fill out really nicely over the uh, second and third year. Okay. Oh, that sounds great. Okay, thanks for that, Jenny. Thanks, Scott. Cheers, bye-bye. Cheers. Bye. Thanks, Jenny. Gardening talk back on to when you are FM. Just got word that Bush Tucker Man was Les Hiddens. Oh, he was too. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, Harry Butler was long before Les. Way before. He Way was before, yeah. Pre-Bushman. He could have been back in the 70s, actually, <laughs> I think, Harry. <laughs> That's showing my age, isn't it? Scott Sharp, almost out of time for another week. But before you do step out, yes, spring is tomorrow. It is. It, so is there anything we need to start? It doesn't start on the first day of the week, apparently. No. No. First day of September. I thought a, a quick little thing to do would just be to rejuvenate your indoor plants because I know some of them are probably looking a bit sad and tired. They haven't yep. been growing too well during winter because they are generally tropical plants. Uh, if you've got a, a, a spath uh, like I did this morning, I took it outside of the front veranda, a spathophyllum. I didn't want to use too many syllables up there. Uh, I just gave it a, a really good uh, watering with some nitrosol from the watering can. I split it up, gave it a little bit of a you know clean up around the edges where the yellows uh, the leaves were yellowing and it's uh, generally hopefully it's going to look a whole lot better for me in about uh, you know a week or so hopefully yeah a spath does sound like a like shower bath combination oh it does look like a spork or a fork you know the half fork half knife that we invented here in australia did we invent that yeah we did it's an australian invention just like crocodile dundee and les hiddens did we invent the clothesline hills hoist i think we did not sure about the victor lawnmower though oh, i don't think so no yeah. i don't know uh, yeah, I, that one's got me. Uh, I know Pavlova. That's across the ditch. Fair enough. Yeah. Le- do we do Lamingtons? That'd have to be us, wouldn't they? I will claim it anyway. It is <laughs> this afternoon. Scott Sharp, thank you very much. We'll catch you again next week. Speak to you then. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com. <laughs>